Heather bought me a book on May 28th when it was my birthday. And it was Joseph Prince. And it's called The Unmerited Favor of God. And we're in a grace church. We preach righteousness. I mean, people are so aware of their righteousness because Mark always says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They're so aware of it that Lauren, when they went to his house, he walked in and looked in the mirror and said, Mark is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's a true story. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I thought it was funny. I just praise God. Amen. My opening scriptures are going to be in Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to start with verse 20. We preach righteousness. I understand righteousness. But God, through this book, Joseph Prince has a whole chapter on righteousness. And when I read the chapter and I got done, he had a prayer at the end of that chapter. And when I prayed it, I literally felt something inside of me shift. Like I had a knowledge for the last two years of my righteousness, but now I have a revelation. The difference of having a knowledge is just knowing something. But when God gives you a revelation, it becomes part of who you are. You carry that. You see life through that perspective. It's not just a, a knowledge. So what I'm going to share with you is what the Lord has been sharing with me. And my prayer is that it impacts you the same way that it impacted me. And I can tell you that it has changed my life. Just in these last two months, I was telling me and Jamie, I said, uh, Mandy and Jamie, we call her me you. <laughs> Since she was a kid, so we just nicknamed Stick. You know, we call Mr. T, Mr. T. Uh, I don't advise you to call him that unless you want to, but out of respect, I call him. Well, he's my pastor, so Mr. Testament, praise God. He's, God is good. But I was telling Mandy when we were talking, and Jamie, and I shared it with Mark this morning, because Mark always calls to pray with me before I preach. And I, I remember the first message that I ever preached, he called to pray with me. And even back then, he prayed with me and he said, just remember, don't beat the sheep, feed the sheep. <laughs> don't beat them, feed them. <laughs> Amen. And those were uh, words to live by. But when I was first born again, and I, I know all of you guys can attest to this, that when you were first born again, it was Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you felt that vitality in this life. The power that Jesus gives you. If you were part of a denominational church, most denominations start teaching you about you. So in the middle of all this newness of life and all this excitement and this vitality that's in the Spirit and the freedom that you were experiencing and the hunger that God had bestowed inside of you, it starts to diminish. Because over time, it becomes less about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it becomes more about me, me, me. What am I doing? What am I doing? Well, I told you about two months ago when I did the offering one of these times, as I started reading the Joseph Prince book, I caught myself praying something that I hadn't prayed in years. And the prayer was, Lord, draw me closer to you and reveal more of yourself to me. Do you know that God honors a prayer? 
from that time to this time right now, I feel like I did back when I was born again, when I got all the attention off me, and it became about Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's where liberty is. That's where life is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says that of God are we in Him, in Christ. And that in Christ, that Jesus is made wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. I was telling Mandy where it says to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was telling her, we always stop there. But do you know what the rest of that single verse is? It's found in Psalms 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, who He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I said, why in the world do we stop there? He's redeemed us from the effects of the enemy ever to be able to touch our lives again. Amen. He has redeemed us. It's so important that you say so. If you say so, amen. I've been redeemed. Because the Bible said when the enemy comes in, and then it says like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard against him. Well, what is that standard? That standard is the Word of God that is always against him. So when we take the Word of God and put it in our mouth and you say to the devil, you're a liar and you can't affect my life because I've been redeemed and I'm saying so. I've been, I've been redeemed from your hand. I don't belong to you. And instead of him affecting your life, you start affecting his. Amen. You start pushing back the kingdom of darkness in your life because your focus is on Jesus, not on you. Amen. And Jesus is our hope of glory. He is our great expectation to receive good from God. Not based upon our own ability, our own adequacy, but based upon His ability, what He did. Amen. Because we always quote the verse that says, we overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb. And then we say the word of our testimony. No, not the word of just our testimony. So we start testifying about our past and where we're at now. We overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What that blood did for us. What it purchased us from and what it brought us to. Amen. Because we've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. Amen. And with that, we're going to get in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. I want to point out something here because I always used to quote this wrong. <laughs> I wasn't just quoting it wrong. I realized that they actually changed it and they, they interpreted it wrong in different Bibles. So Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is Paul speaking. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When I used to read that, I used to read it as, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. It says that we live by the faith of the Son of God. 
because different translations translate it to end, but it's not actually in. When you look up the word, it actually says he, she, it. It's referring to a substance of a person. So it actually saying that right now, Paul is saying that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I'm living by the faith of. I'm living by Jesus' faith. Amen. Amen. With that, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 22. This is the lady with the issue of blood. And the Bible says that she had an issue of blood for 12 years that she dealt with this issue of blood. And it says that she spent all her living on physicians and was still none better. But when she heard that Jesus was passing by that way, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. So she presses through this crowd. you got to understand anemic people, they don't have much energy because their blood levels are very low. So probably just for her to get out of bed was a struggle. Your faith will push you to beyond what your natural body is capable of in order to touch Jesus. This is natural faith we're talking about. Okay, so she got out of bed. She had to get dressed. And then she had to go out into the heat. This is probably around noonday, midday. So she has to fight through the heat to get to him. She's already fatigued. And then she finds that there's a crowd of people around him. So she actually has to press through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. When she's done, she's made whole. And listen to what Jesus says to her in verse 22. Matthew 9:22. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. So I thought, well, hold on, because the Apostle Paul said that right now we're living by the faith of the Son of God. And this says your faith. So I looked up what your faith meant. It means of yourself or in yourself. So it was this lady's faith. This is a natural faith, okay? When did she receive that faith inside of her? When she was born. The Bible says that God has given every man the measure of faith. When was that faith activated inside of her when somebody would have came and told her that there's this preacher named Jesus who's been having these healing meetings and everybody who's come into that meeting is getting healed all demonic stuff that's been holding people captive these people have been walking free from his ministry and I believe that if you can just get there just get there I believe that you'll be made whole in that moment she said in herself that I believe this. Faith was united. This is a natural faith. And she was actually, that faith pushed her to the place where she got to the presence of Jesus, to where she actually touched Him. So this is a natural faith. This woman didn't have access to the faith of the Son of God because Jesus hadn't died yet. This woman was not born again. But do you know that your natural faith can bring you to Jesus even now, today. Natural faith believes that God can do something to me or for me. But the faith that I'm about to get into, the faith of Jesus Christ, supernatural faith, His faith, believes that not only can God do something to me and for me, but in me and through me. Amen. Amen. So, with that, 
And that word uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word word there is rhema. It's a spoken word of God. This woman wasn't sitting in her house reading the Torah and received the faith to touch Jesus. Somebody came and told her about this man named Jesus. And you have to understand that Jesus himself said that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when now, because the words that you speak to people are spirit and life, your words keep talking long after you stop. Because your words, when you speak a word of life over someone that directs them to the person of Jesus Christ, when you pack up and go home, that word's still going to minister. That's why it's all about being led. It's not about a whole bunch of words. It's about what word for right now will bring the most change and direct them into the presence of God? Amen. Amen. It could be one word. It could be a hundred words. It could be a whole day of words. Maybe you just spent a day with somebody and you just poured into them. And praise God, your words kept working when you stopped talking. Amen. It's the power of our word. You know, every time somebody was healed, Jesus would say, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. He always pointed to their faith. But the Lord revealed something to me. Jesus never talked about His faith. And if we are living by the faith of the Son of God, what was Jesus using His faith for? And if you think Jesus didn't have to use faith, you are seriously mistaken. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know that Jesus had to use faith. But let me tell you something. Jesus wasn't using faith for things. When we have confidence in God, that's faith. When we have confidence in God, it's faith. Do you know what Jesus used His faith for? What He was confident in? His righteousness. His right position in God. He used His faith to believe that He was exactly who the Father said He was. Amen. Do you know that Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you? Everything flowed through Jesus because of His right standing with God. When we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, what does it mean to have a right standing in God? Who is our righteousness? How did we become righteous? Amen. Because we're not seeking our own righteousness. In seeking righteousness, our right standing with God, we find ourselves in the Beloved. And we find Him in us. So when we're seeking righteousness, we're seeking the very face of God Himself, which has been expressed to us in the face of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to reveal something to you, that God revealed something to me. And when I seen it, I broke into my happy dance inside. I'm not a big outside dancer, but on the inside, I broke into my happy dance. Amen. I was doing a jig on top of the devil's head because I've been redeemed from his hand. Amen. Matthew chapter 4. We know that Satan came to tempt Jesus. And look at what he says to him first. 
What does Satan try to do in tempting Jesus? What temptation is he bringing to him? To turn stones into bread. But what is he trying to do? If you be the Son of God. He is trying to get Jesus to question his sonship. Listen, this is what would cause him to question if he had a right standing with God. You know that if Jesus would have spoke to those stones to become bread, those stones wouldn't have did anything. Jesus could not have turned those stones into bread. And you say, what? That's some false teaching. Jesus could do anything. No, he couldn't. Jesus said, in and of myself, I can do nothing. He said, I only do that what I see the Father do, and I only say that which I see the Father say. So who was telling him to turn stones into bread? The Father? No. Satan was telling him, the enemy of our soul, of his soul, was telling him to turn these stones into bread, to do something outside of the will of God. Because if he did something outside of the will of God, and nothing happened, it would bring condemnation. It would take away his right place, his righteousness. He was after Jesus' righteousness. His right standing with God is what he was after. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Satan says to himself, you want to live by God's word? I got something for you to live by. And he took him up to the top of the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, throw yourself down from here for it's written. I got some words from God for you to live by. It's written that the angels of the Lord shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. See, what would have happened if Jesus would have been trying to prove his sonship to the enemy? Jesus would have threw himself off the cliff and he would have committed suicide. Because even though he was the son of God, there would have been nothing that God could have did because he acted outside of his will, which means he became unright. Satan was after his righteousness. But since he couldn't get Jesus to act in a way that would bring him out of alignment to God, he did something different. How come the third temptation isn't like the first two? Because he realized that that wasn't working on Jesus. So he, he said, well, maybe... Maybe I can just try to give him something that will appear better to him in order to get his position. Because he couldn't get him to act outside of his position. He said, okay, you know who you are. But if you bow down and you worship me, I will give you everything that your eye sees. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, get away from here, Satan. Leave me. For it's written that you shall worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. Catch what the Spirit is about to say to you right now. Because Jesus didn't surrender his righteousness, Satan can never touch yours. Because your righteousness is in Christ and what Satan tries to do is he comes to you and tries reminding you of something that you did that will make you feel unrighteous, not right with God. 
But your rightness, your righteousness, your position in God was a gift that you received based upon what his son did. Amen. Because Jesus didn't surrender his righteousness, Satan can never touch yours. Why? Because you've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Amen. And it's out of this position of sonship that everything flows in to you, through you, and to other people. Amen. Amen. The number one thing that Satan fights against is our righteousness, our right standing with God. Because he realizes that once we understand our position in God, he loses all effect in our lives. Because we'll never walk in condemnation. Because when he's trying to get you to sin, Satan could care less if you sin. He could care less if you did the dirty dozen 12 times a day. Honestly, he could care less. He's not after you to sin. He's after your confidence. Because without confidence, you can't have faith. Because your confidence will always affect your faith. That's why they're the same thing. When Jesus used his faith, he used his confidence to believe that he was everything that God said he was. Amen. And when we use our faith, our confidence, to believe that what God said we are in Christ, we actually are in him. And it's him in us and us in him. Amen. You can't separate me from Jesus because I have a right standing with God and my life has been hidden inside the life of God. Amen. That means that if Satan wants to touch my righteousness, he has to go through Jesus on the front, the back, the side, above me, below me, and behind me. Amen. He has to go through Jesus to attack my position in God. Because Jesus didn't surrender his righteousness, Satan can never get to yours. If you believe he can, you believe a lie. You believe a lie. And you might say, Steve, that's radical. You mean I could go out here and do anything I wanted because I'm righteous? Well, first of all, why would you? Second of all, yes, you can. But third of all, it might cost you your life and your anointing. It might cost you all that. Why would you? The Bible says awake unto righteousness and sin no more. Once you realize what you've been made, sin's not the issue. Once you realize that you're dead to sin, that you were born a sinner, but when you accepted God, you were born again. That old sin nature is not even inside of you. It's not even there. So when you yield to the flesh, you're yielding to something that literally is dead. And you would have had to believe a lie in order to do it. You would have to believe that you're going to receive some sort of gratification from it. You would have to believe that the temptation's bigger than you, or you would have to believe it's bigger than God. All three of those are lies. Because the truth is, is that none of that, because that nature's dead. The Bible says that old man was crucified with Christ. And now the life that I live, I live by faith of the Son of God. I live by His faith, not my own faith. The faith of Jesus takes me into the position of sonship. And when we understand that we're sons and daughters, the truth breaks the power of the lie. Yes. And we walk free. And not only do we walk free. The Lord said something to me. He was just speaking into me. And He told me when Heather reaches her full potential, those around them will reach theirs. When you reach your full potential, 
the people around you will reach theirs because none of us grow to ourselves when we're growing guess what everybody who we're linked up to is growing with us because our words are spirit and their life and who are you pouring into the people that you are directly connected to amen and those words keep working long after you stop talking amen healing everything all of that was a byproduct of sonship so when someone came to pull on jesus Guess what? Jesus never mentioned his faith because he wasn't using it for their healing. When they came and pulled on Jesus, they got whatever they needed because of his position. Everything that they needed came through his right standing, not their right standing. They were under the law. So when you pray for somebody, your faith should not be believing just for their healing. I'm going to use my faith for their healing. Use your faith to believe in your position and let them use their faith to believe what they need. Amen. And they will pull it out of the realm of the Spirit because you're in right standing with God. That means that the life of God can flow not only to you and for you, but in you and through you. And that's what they did. When they came hold and lay hold of Jesus, they was laying hold of his position. Nobody's ever going to come and ask you to pray for them if they don't believe you're right with God. (laughs) If they think that you're off base with God, they're not going to come and be like, hey, will you pray for me? The simple fact that they came and asked you to pray for them is because they believe that you're right with God and God hears from you or you hear from God or he'll do what you ask. And when we have confidence, when we use our faith to believe in our position, instead of believing for things, everything else will just flow through us. And us and through us. Not just to us and for us. That's what natural faith does. But the faith of the Son of God doesn't only believe that God can do something for me. It believes that God can do something in me and do something to me. So, why would you want to go sin when that nature has been destroyed in you and some people say you mean i could go out and sin and i would still be righteous you would still be in right standing with god yeah yeah you would be because your right standing in god is not based upon what you do but jesus said if the light within you is darkened he didn't he didn't say there wasn't a light there he said if the light within you is darkened how great is that darkness which means that there shouldn't be any darkness and the light. But even if you did go out and sin, guess what God does? He's already forgiven your past, present, and future sins. See, most Christians believe that, yeah, God's forgiven my past sins. Or, yeah, most Christians will believe, yeah, my present sins, God will forgive them. But what about my future sins, sins that I haven't even committed yet? How could God already forgive them? Because when Jesus died, all your sins were already in the future. And there's not going to be another sacrifice. So any sin that you will ever commit from the moment you accepted Jesus to the time you die has already been completely wiped out and eradicated. That means that the accuser of the brethren can't accuse you before God anymore. Amen. You've been redeemed from his hand and you should say so. 
Amen. Well, you say, Steve, that's radical. Well, let me share another thing that is so radical. How about this? How about the Son of God setting aside His weight and His glory and coming down and humbling Himself as a man, being born in a filthy, dirty manger? How about his parents taking that son of God, the son of man, and fleeing from an Egyptian king? How about that? What would you think about that? That's pretty radical, right? How about that same son of God who came down here? How about him being willing to subject himself to a whipping post and have his backside ripped off? The back of his flesh, of his, the skin of his flesh beaten off of him. How about after that, have a crown of thorns put on him, a, a robe thrown over his head and then hit him with a rod and say, prophesy, who just hit you? They punched him with their own fist and plucked out his beard. How radical is that? How about then after that, him still being willing to have them nail him to a cross, putting literally spikes through the bones of his wrist and the bones of his ankles. How radical is that? All for you. If God's love is so radical, why do we think that his grace or his righteousness would be any less radical than his love? He's radical because he's consumed with this love for you. Amen. Everything that he did was all propelled him by love. The love that he had for you was greater than the affliction that he suffered at the whipping post. The love that he had for you, it was greater than being hit with rods and literally thorns going through his flesh into his skull. The love he had for you sustained him to be nailed upon a cross. That love is a radical love. And nobody gave that love to you. And nobody can take it away from you. Amen. You have to understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That this position has been given to you. Amen. We operate from this position, not to gain this position. Christians spend a lot of their life walking around in a defeated state and they're scared of the enemy. I'll tell you this because it's just foolish and it exposes the lie of the enemy. But when I was a younger Christian, you know, when I would come to the name of the devil, I would skip over it. I wouldn't read it out loud. I was afraid of the devil. I had been taught by religion that the devil was a monster. In my mind, the devil was almost bigger than God because I would read God's name out loud. But I wouldn't read Satan's name that loud. I'd pass over it. Do you know the enemy lives in a perpetual state of fear because perfect love casts out all fear. So Satan has absolutely no love in him. So the only thing that can be there is fear. And the number one thing that he's afraid of is you awakening to your righteousness. He's afraid of it. He dreads it. If he stayed up at night, I don't think he sleep. But if, if he did sleep, he wouldn't be able to. Because fear of you finding out who you are would keep him working so hard against that that it would never give him rest. That's what he does to the body of Christ. His number one goal is to attack your righteousness. Because without your confidence, you can't have faith. Without faith, you can't even get to grace. Because <laughs> it's by faith 
that we're now standing in this grace. And if you try to put it out of the realm of grace, you fall back under works. And we know that nobody shall be justified by the law. It actually says in the scriptures, those of you who seek to be justified by the works of the law have actually fallen from grace. Actually fell from the grace of God if you seek to justify yourself. Sin is not the issue in the body of Christ. What's the issue is people don't know their position in God. And because Satan tries attacking your mind to make you feel out of position with God, you will live in that defeated position your whole life. But when you arrive and you awake unto your righteousness, you truly will sin no more. Because you'll understand that that nature has literally died inside of you. And now the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. I pray that, Lord God, this would become a revelation, that it just wouldn't be a knowledge, but that, Lord God, that it would do something inside of them, that this day forward, Lord God, anyone who didn't know or even had a knowledge but didn't understand, that it would become a revelation to them and that they would actually, that it would shift inside of them, Father, and that it would literally become part of who they are and that they would walk through this life looking through those lenses. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your people. I bless them. I thank you for the work that you're doing in the earth right now and that you've chosen us to be a part of it. Yes, Father, we're excited about what you have in store for us. In Jesus Christ's name, I bless your people. Amen.